Welcome to Finance Feeds Podcasts. Finance Feeds is the world's premier interactive Forex industry news source, providing the latest insights and current affairs from within the online trading industry worldwide. Enjoy our latest podcast episode. Welcome to Finance Feeds Podcast. It's episode 14. My name is Nikolai Isayev. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Finance Feeds. Joining me today is Anton Sokolov, who is Marketing Manager at Brokery Solutions. Hi, Nikolai. Anton. Hi. Welcome to our Thanks show. Thanks for having me. Did I get, I got, I got the title right, right? Yeah, Marketing Manager, yeah. <laughs> All good. Perfect, perfect. Uh, so, Anton, um, you and I have actually traveled to quite a few events this year, uh, industry events. I wanted to find out from you which ones you found the most memorable and uh, what are your impressions of the key themes in our industry so far as we close out 2022? Well, in terms of events, it, it was quite eventful, right? <laughs> we, we, I think we originally planned like to, to attend like six events and then it ended up being almost like 13, 12, twice as much. So wow. yeah, been a lot of traveling for our team and me included. Um, yeah, in terms of, of the events, uh, I, I just, I'm a big fan of what Ultimate Fintech is doing, right? The IFX mm-hmm. Expo Finance uh, London Summit. Uh, those are always great events, which you you do expect great things. And they're always successful. Uh, there were mm-hmm. a few of like new promoters and like new organizers popping up here and there. Uh, uh-huh. We do monitor the market and, and try to get in touch with them. But yeah, in terms of, of the ones to visit, definitely IFX Expo. So looking forward, actually, in, in this January, right? Ne- next January. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like we're only going to get a very short break <laughs> between between 2022 conferences and 2023 conferences. But yeah, it looks like IFX Expo Dubai in January is going to be the next uh, the next big event. So um, we, we 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 are already wishing you success <laughs> luck there at that event coming up. Well, I mean, it, it it has been prepared for us even sooner than we had prepared a London Summit. So, so yeah, oh, really? so all the designs, everything was set up already. Everything was pre-ordered and pre-booked. So well, I think we're already preparing for for, for May or something like that. <laughs> That's very cool. That means you guys are very, very well, uh, very well organized. You know, to me, it seems like uh, the events in Dubai do have a certain caliber, uh, I I would say, um, as opposed to events in London or, let's say, Asia, for example. It seems like Dubai has established itself as the new financial hub for many firms, whether it's Forex, whether it's crypto, whether it's many different other things, including fintech. Um, is that your impression as well? Uh, I'd say so, yeah. And uh, it actually happened quite quickly, right? Uh, we had a very mm-hmm. long break, yep. like pandemic-wise, right? And uh, only now we can see Asia to to slowly get into, like, back to business. But Dubai, they just opened mm-hmm. up the door and uh, business flooded. And uh, I think it's... Uh, it was a very smart decision on, on their part. And uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, 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 I actually, yeah, I, I think it's uh, like about three events, which we definitely visit every year in Dubai at this point. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there are a few new ones which we're looking forward to actually next year. So mm-hmm. stay tuned, I guess. But yeah, Dubai is is doing well, and I uh, they're actually doing quite well in terms of regulating, right? They started to give, mm-hmm. uh, like accepting new brokerages and giving up licenses. Uh, so yeah, the market is developing quite rapidly in in, in Mana region. Yeah, definitely. Uh, listen, I also wanted to say congratulations on winning the best emerging fintech award at the recent Finance Magnets London Summit. This was actually a few uh, a few weeks ago. Obviously, we were there together. Um, uh, I wanted to ask, what does this award mean for Brokery and for you personally? Uh, well, actually, it's, it's it's been great to receive the award, first of all, because usually you don't expect, right? The company gets nominated here and there, but then uh, once you get the award, it's like it's 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 nice thing to have, right? And uh, we've been congratulated by partners and clients who who are actually coming coming out and saying, yeah, we voted for you. Good luck, guys. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. for the company, it, it does mean 
sort of recognition, let's say, right? For we've been on the market for quite a while, actually. It's it's our ninth ninth year this year. So mm-hmm. uh, getting the the award is just the confirmation that we are doing things right. And mm-hmm. the and yeah, yeah awesome. and the last year, uh, oh, this year, I guess it was, it was still in twenty twenty two. The year has mm-hmm. been. Uh, we have been growing quite rapidly in terms of employee count, uh, in terms of new opportunities, new markets. And uh, yeah, I, I hope things continue to continue this way for, for the next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I wanted to talk about some uh, sort of industry trends that have been impacting brokers that use uh, MetaTrader platforms like MT4 and MT5. Um, as you well know, MetaQuotes recently, recently um, released an update to its the web version of MT5 in order to allow traders to continue using Apple iOS devices, right, to, to, to trade in, you know, on their mobile devices um, using uh, using a meta platform. Uh, do you see a, do you see this solution as a stopgap measure or do you think that this is enough, you know, as a. a as a long-term solution that traders will be satisfied with, you know, going forward in terms of having the ability to trade um, on mobile MetaTrader. Well, I, I think the the ban itself came came like out of no, nowhere. Nobody was expecting such harsh murders. Of course, we can see the reasoning Correct. behind it, right? And I, I believe MetaQuotes confirmed that they were in in talks with the Apple prior to to it happening, but. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, the ban itself was was like maybe not very thought through quite well in terms of uh, how it affected the whole industry, right? Because MetaTrader mm-hmm. is the prominent. I think they still have more than seventy percent share of the market in terms of trading apps, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just like removing everything. Yes, of course, it didn't affect the the existing clients. It only affected the new ones who didn't download the app in time. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, as it comes to the web trader, uh, they always had the web trader, right? It's just that they redesigned it, reworked it to to like to introduce new design and to optimize performances. Uh, and here I, I can actually answer uh, from from different sides, right? Uh, from like as a as a user of mobile apps in general, and then as a technology sure. provider from the development standpoint. And if we look at it from a mm-hmm. technology perspective, uh, developing a web application is actually so much easier, right? Because uh, like CSS3 has come a long way and uh, you can just create responsive interfaces which will work on every design, no matter desktop, tablet, whatever, even microwave, right? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You can just... <laughs> you can just yeah no I understand what you mean yeah mm-hmm. and uh, you just develop one product basically one application that's why we see quite a lot of uh, companies uh, introducing their new products only web based uh, but mm-hmm. when we look at it at things from the user standpoint right uh, some processes you would prefer to have an app right even if you are using the app just once a week I mean if, of course, training-wise, it's it's much more frequent, and we, we can we can speak about why and what are the reasons to use the app later on. But mm-hmm. uh, for example, like when you're flying, I know I can download the QR code or like boarding pass on my phone or open it up through browser, but I would still prefer to have mm-hmm. an app. I don't know. It like I I just trust that the app will be more secure. It will have more features in terms of notification, like pushing, and then if I close the browser. I won't receive those push notifications. So there mm-hmm. are some, yeah. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. And in this regard, if we get back to the, to the web application, right? Uh, having the web application, yeah. or basically, what what is the reason to have application in first trade, right? Right. Uh, if we speak about retail trading or trading in general, uh, having desktop app was always the way to go. Having multiple monitors was always the way to go because you you need to monitor news, you need to monitor uh, what's happening on the market. At this particular time, you need to monitor a couple of, uh, I don't know, Twitter feeds, channels, charts, charts, well price charts and then yeah. to make an analysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine a person just picking up the phone and doing technical analysis on the phone. It's not happening. You still need a bigger screen, right? And uh, mm-hmm. in this regard, uh, having this functionality 
or this reason for the buyback, yes, it makes sense. And uh, the only thing why traders would prefer to have the mobile app is to monitor what's happening with their positions. Or let's say they, everybody uses like Telegram or Facebook communities for the for like social or like for, for signals, trading signals, right? Ideas, uh, and um, mm-hmm. they get those ideas and they just they they receive them in Telegram. You received it on your phone in the group, and you just need to react quickly. You open up an app on the same phone and you just open up the, the trade. Yeah. Uh, risk-wise, mm-hmm. of course, there are some <laughs> concerns and uh, whom you trust and what, but the convenience and having easy access, I just can't see it with the with the web trader. So I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a solution for now and uh, it will suffice and clients can still use it, right? But for some things, mm-hmm. you would still prefer having a mobile app just because it just faster you you trust it more mm-hmm, mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. no I, I i agree with you because again i don't i don't necessarily use uh uh metatrader right i don't i don't trade um at this point in time but i i i kind of echo your sentiment there in terms of using other other apps other businesses uh on your phone like your analogy with a plane ticket or a boarding pass is actually very interesting because because we all travel a lot to you know like we said industry events and and you're right there is a way for you to get your boarding pass um, usually the phone asks you if you want it in your wallet mm. um, in your uh, Apple wallet right for example um, and I, I I would say that I'm you know to your analogy I, I'm always like well okay but I would rather access it from the app of the airline that I'm flying. Because like you said, uh, the perception is that the information that we are going to get through that app is going to maybe be a little bit more accurate than it is through a, a browser version of the airline's website, for example, or just that uh, or just that boarding pass that was electronically issued to me, but it was issued to me at a particular time. And between it being issued and my flight leaving, there could be some changes like the gate might change or the departure time might change or whatever it may be. And I feel like that's important information that I would like to see uh, as soon as as soon as uh, as soon as possible. Do you think also there is a and maybe perhaps from a tech from the technical side of things? I don't know um, if you are involved with your colleagues in studying things like performance issues. I mean, I would venture to guess that using a browser version of a trading platform in your Apple device, um, there could be some performance implications in terms of how quick it is uh, in terms of functionality as opposed to a native, you know, standalone uh, application. I don't know if you have any thoughts on any thoughts. No, on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, native applications would always give developers more freedom in terms of optimizing it right because you are working directly with the operating system whereas when you when we work with a web application we tend to work in like restraints of the browser itself and Mm -hmm. um, like i don't know if you use chrome on your on your pc on on your laptop on your mac right uh you Mm -hmm. you you will know how much uh, resources it requires just to run, and uh, if we couple it with the performance and like heavy performance of the web application itself, there are so much mm-hmm. things where it might go wrong. Mm-hmm. But developing natively, it is quite expensive, right? Because now instead of supporting just one application, you need to support at least two, right? Android and iOS. At mm-hmm. least those two. And then if we speak about Android apps, uh, there are so many different devices. With iOS or like Apple devices, iPhones, you, you have all the knowledge. You, you can like get your app right the first time and, and support it that way. But with Android devices, you would need to test it on so many different devices because, I don't know, it just requires yeah it just requires much more mm-hmm. uh, things to do and uh, I mean I, I know there are some technologies which allow web applications to run faster they use like WebAssembly like for for gaming stuff you can actually game through browser window but always going native would make more sense it's just a matter of how much resources we are willing to invest to support all those apps it's because you you don't just release an app if you if new feature comes up on the trading platform you need to have it in five different places 
and <laughs> it requires different teams, mm-hmm. different expertise, different optimization. So I would say it's mostly the the problem of optimizing and and resource management in terms of how much you invest into into support it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, would you agree? Like my opinion is that this may be a a good solution um, in terms of the the the, the update to the to the web version of MT5. But my personal opinion is I think MetaQuotes is still going to work towards, um, you know, resolving these issues that they may have with, with Apple and actually getting, you know, getting the app back into, back into the app store. Because ultimately, I mean, I, I think, I think that needs to be the end goal um, at the, at the end of the day, but partially based on, on what you said, you still, at the end of the day, <laughs> you still might want to have a native app. And, you know, um, there's obviously thousands and thousands of traders who still have the mobile app on their phone because, again, they downloaded it and began using it um, prior to prior to what happened. Uh, but I would also say that, um, you know, arguably the, the people who don't have access to the mobile app now, these are all new traders, new users, right? People who are just getting into... Uh, the market and just beginning to work with uh, whichever broker uh, they want to trade with, right? Um, and I would I would argue that the majority of these people are demographically younger than the thousands and thousands of traders who are have already been successful using the app for years. And so these younger people expect the technology to work quickly, expect the technology to be uh, quite easy to use. And so some of them, from a usability perspective, might find this web version of MT5 as uh, as being more of a stopgap. Like I said in the beginning of my in the beginning of my question, kind of like, okay, I understand that this is what uh, that this is what I have to use today, but I would like at some point to see, you know, uh, a native version of this type of trading platform be available. Uh, be available to me. And I'm, you know, obviously we don't have statistics, we don't have information. Uh, these customers can comment and contact their broker and, you know, ask questions or give comments or even, well, yeah, basically, you know, contact support and uh, perhaps say, hey, you know, well, this is cool or this is okay, but I, you know, would I be able to trade on a native app at, at some point soon? I would venture to guess you guys, brokery, are, are more involved in this than someone like us, like Finance Feeds. But I would venture to guess that if there are clients who are giving s- such feedback, that feedback uh, ultimately might uh, come from the broker to you, to from your clients to you in terms of, hey, guys, you know, um, this is sort of what we're seeing and hearing and kind of uh, our hopes or expectations from the brokers themselves, uh, perhaps is that, you know, that the native app will um, return at some point, or at least there is sufficient demand um, to get a a native app back on the app store. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, And uh, actually, uh, I think it's, there's no any similar case like that, where we have uh, one technology provider having one application and through which application you can access thousands of companies which then have millions of users and everything was just in one app and uh, you just don't see that often right usually what companies do and what we actually observe in the market with other trading platforms they would white label the solution in such a way that it is uploaded through the like developer developers account of of a particular company of a brokerage and then the app will mm-hmm. be branded with logos with scholars with whatever branding is for, for for the brokerage and it will be uploaded through their separate account and if something goes wrong and if clients carry on with some feedback about the app about the features or make complaints to the to the app store right everything will fall down to the brokerage which is ultimately responsible for how they treat the clients right and uh, they might not be responsible for the app behavior but well that's usually the better way and if we actually look at the policies of app store it is quite tricky to to have the app in general published there right they have very strict policies on how to approve it and uh, uh, but at the end of the day as you actually as you mentioned uh, 
the newer generation, and if we look at the researches, the research done uh, by by multiple academics um, or like regulators, right? The younger mm-hmm. generations they tend to prefer uh, trading apps, not just trading in general, but trading app. It it has to be mm-hmm. an app. It has to be a native app. It has to have certain features. It needs to be accessible. It needs to be convenient right and uh, mm-hmm. I, I do believe that somehow they will find a solution to bring it back and uh, mm-hmm. it just well let's hope it, it happens quicker right because sure. we do observe how brokerages tend to view other platforms at this moment uh-huh. and uh, I think I think they're working on it mm-hmm. uh, well this actually brings me to my next question uh, which is and you mentioned in part earlier in our discussion that you know, th- there's different numbers being thrown around. I don't think anybody knows the exact figure besides medicals themselves, but they have a huge market share, right? Arguably, you mentioned something like 70% of of the market of uh, for trading platforms. But at the same time, you know, one of the um, uh, one of the thoughts or feedback that I saw from our col- some of our colleagues in the industry that attended the London uh, conference a few weeks ago. Uh, was that, you know, a, a lot of the other platform providers, the non-meta uh, fintech providers, obviously got a lot of inbound interest uh, from brokerages right after this situation transpired. Um, obviously, some of them will probably uh, gain some new business from brokerages, right, as, as a result. Um, but the overarching sort of thought is that sure these these um other platform providers will gain some traction in terms of market share but ultimately metaquotes will still continue to be the dominant player in terms of uh uh trading platforms for brokers specifically within fx and 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 cfd industry um do you agree with with this assumption or with this thought uh i would say yes uh there are actually like different perspectives we can look at the uh, popularity of MetaTrader. Mm-hmm. Uh, one which is usually uh, thrown around as like why MetaTrader 4 actually is still quite popular, right? When we when mm-hmm. we already have MetaTrader 5, which has been in development for so much longer, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it actually supports like multi-asset processes or multi-asset trading, uh, which was not initially the plan for MetaTrader 4, mm-hmm. like cryptocurrencies coming up, they're so much easier to start working on MetaTrader 5 than, than to try to, to manual your way into like configuring MetaTrader 4 to work with it. You can still do it, but MetaTrader 5 mm-hmm. was, a, was planned ahead to support all different uh, upcoming like instruments. And uh, one of the, one of the uh, arguments we hear is that traders don't want to transfer because they so used to MetaTrader 4, uh, how it works, like they have expert advisors, they have different robots, algo trading, and uh, those are not getting transferred to MetaTrader 5, that's why we're using it. But actually the other part of the Mm -hmm. business is that dealing desks, right, or like uh, risk management teams, liquidity management Uh teams, Mm Those are the old guys, and for them to transfer their knowledge to MetaTrader Five, because even though the trading platforms are developed by the same company, the mm-hmm. original idea behind MetaTrader Four and MetaTrader Five are completely different, right? And uh, everything which was not in place for MetaTrader Four is now in place for MetaTrader Five. So all the different processes, mm-hmm. of, all the different like nuances of how to work with, they need to be shared yeah. and basically learned new for the for the old teams. The ones who mm-hmm. who cool. used to work with mm-hmm. MetaTrader 4, right? And in terms yeah. of uh, the capabilities of like back office or like the whole infrastructure, other than the trading platform interface or the marketing side of the business, the industry has used so much to the processes how it was done on MetaTrader, and uh, switching mm-hmm. or introducing a new platform, it's not a matter of integrating, you know, it with CRM or which is usually they're already integrated or like marketing it to traders. Mm-hmm. It is the actual back office and risk management part of it. And this is where mm-hmm. the, the most headache comes from for, for, for the brokerages, I would say. And uh, that's why mm-hmm. I do believe that MetaTrader still continues and will continue to be the larger player 
in terms of trading platforms. That's an interesting point that you make uh, in terms of these, these, these. I would maybe we can call them structural mm. differences between MT4 and MT5, um, because I had experience a little bit with this when when MetaTrader 5 rolled out many many years ago. It's been many many years since MetaTrader 5 was launched, uh, soft launched, let's say, but then brokers, uh, uh, you know, began to actually use them with live clients and things like that. Uh, I, I just remember that um, one of the issues was, and, and you kind of just brought this up, is that MT5 has a lot of these internal components like CRM, like mark, uh, things that can be utilized for marketing or tracking uh, trader behavior and things like that. Historically, in MT4, these were all outsourced in the sense that there was just a connection to a legacy or another third-party system um it, which was an outside system and that's how data and metatrader and those systems interacted i remember when mt5 came about one of the uh pitches that um i saw and heard from metaquotes was that you don't need all of these integrations anymore you could essentially do a lot of this work directly inside the metatrader ter terminal itself right or within the metatrader uh, ecosystem. And I remember colleagues saying, okay, that's great, but we spent so much time and resources building these old legacy connections uh, and these legacy connections work quite well for us to move to, a, to, to this new ecosystem and bring everything in there actually would entail either the same amount of work or even more work. And it, it's not a something that could be done very quickly or overnight. Um, it would still take a lot of work. And I think perhaps, and I don't know if you agree with me, I think that's perhaps MetaTrader 4 is still alive in the sense that it's still a fully functioning trading system. Because I remember over the years, there were efforts by MetaQuotes to essentially tell brokers, listen, we're going to sunset MetaTrader 4. We're not going to just radically stop servicing brokers uh, who are using MT4, but we're going. To, what we're going to do is we're going to sunset um, some of the updates and some of the development that uh, normally was previously done for MetaTrader 4 to you know for upkeep um, on the tech uh, on the technical side. I guess these are things that <laughs> you know I'm not I'm not too well versed in, but the impression was that you know they they wanted to they wanted brokers to gradually uh, shift over into. Uh, MT5, and that didn't necessarily happen over the years. There's still uh, obviously a lot of companies using MT4. Uh, the evidence is that MT4 is still supported by MetaQuotes. It's still a fully functioning, older legacy style system. I don't. I know I'm saying legacy, but that's mm. just to compare it to, um, you know, MT5, which is the newer version. So it seems like there's uh, some of these cave caveats that uh, that we have in in the industry that are playing or have played a role uh, so far well yeah i mean with metatrader in general uh, as you mentioned there has been so much or like so much development done and so many uh, third-party solutions are available which actually makes it a very good platform in terms of being able to fine-tune it to your specific needs and uh, mm -hmm. ultimately, that's what we observe, right? We have so much different CRM providers already on the market. And then it's it's not very uncommon for a brokerage to start and develop their own system in place. Just because the way mm -hmm. they view or the way they used, uh, used to have their back office processes set up or the way they chose their technology stack uh, or like infrastructure, it requires them to do some sort of development and if that development is difficult to do with the third party's technology provider then they will start doing it by themselves mm -hmm. and just because metatrader has been on the market for so long and they provide those server-side apis right the the programming language or like the pro protocol how programs can communicate mm -hmm. between each other uh they they allow so much flexibility in terms of making the solution or the, the platform work for you the way you want it to work which might mm -hmm. not be the case with the newer platforms which are coming up because usually they saw how the metatrader was doing it they decided okay we understand that uh, these parts of the like things like c trader right it was built that way originally they looked at mm -hmm. metatrader 4 and they noticed that okay these things are not as modern or like this can be done different way or like here we would like to focus on 
this instead of that. And uh, that's sure. how they originated, right? Now, of course, they, mm-hmm. they went the different paths and they still have their different differences. But originally speaking, it, it's just that they saw and they decided to improve upon it. Whereas with MetaTrader, mm-hmm. they allowed those customizations to be done around the platform, which I think is very, very, very right. convenient mm-hmm. and very good way to do business, right? Yeah, of course. And but I, I think you know, for someone like a C trader, that's the never natural evolution of, um, you know, any any business, especially when it's it's a niche business. Let's say there's one or two companies doing it. There's obviously, you know, competitors come into the fold in any industry really because they analyze and see. Um, what someone else did and sort of see what the shortfalls may have been, or maybe they have something that just works better in terms of some specific solutions. Um, and so, you know, healthy competition in a sense is, is what, uh, um, is what I would call it. And there's obviously uh, many other different platform providers out there as well in terms of, um, you know, and we all know these companies, they're, they're arguably our friends in the industry. You know, some of them provide solutions which are um, built from the ground up based on your needs and others basically provide something that's already been uh, developed and packaged up and sort of you're getting a packaged solution which you can customize to your needs. But a lot of the work has already been um, done for you, right, in a sense. So there's always, I, I would say that in, in our industry, there's an ample amount of solutions um, that you can that you can uh, that you can use based on um, you know, based on your uh, different uh, different needs. Um, uh, Anton, I also wanted to ask you, I think we discussed this a little bit. Actually, we discussed this quite a few times, I think, with you when we've seen each other this year. Um, and this, this is something uh, quite new. So the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK, they recently came out with a statement regarding their concerns with what it perceives as so-called gamification of trading. Uh, on the part of, you know, UK regulated brokers and exchanges. And I think since that statement came out, there was also a letter um, that someone from the FCA sent directly to the CEOs of um, UK, I believe, CFD brokers. It was quite a long letter. I didn't necessarily have a chance to read all of it, but I believe some of it touched upon the points um, that were from the statement in the sense that we're, there are concerns about the way that uh, trading services are being marketed by UK firms uh, and, and things like that. And it didn't necessarily, this letter um, that I saw, it didn't necessarily spell out any kind of sanctions or you know, actions that the FCA would take. But the language in, 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 in the way it was written, it seemed, uh, it seemed to me personally to indicate that perhaps later on down the road in 2023 or later, the FCA may be changing some of its uh, regulations, some of its requirements for the way brokers actually present their um, services to, to to traders or to new clients and the way that uh, perhaps even the their front-end platforms are set up. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say about this is this topic has actually been discussed widely in the United States here, um, where platforms like Robinhood, which I'm sure you you know of, um, and others like Webull um, have arguably gamified trading. I mean, if you look at their front ends, um, a lot of them, like we just discussed, you know, the mobile version uh, or native apps for trading on, on Apple. Um, you know, if, if you look at these companies' apps, and you download them, you start using them, you could see that they're not tailored to some sophisticated investor. They are tailored to uh, someone who may be a millennial, someone who is well-versed in what gaming is. They've tried to play video games or games on their phone um, before. Um, and so it, it's very easy for such new traders to get very quickly accustomed to this this type of uh trading app um, and, you know, uh, begin begin investing money or trading trading on the markets. I guess I wanted to know, you know, what your perception of this is, specifically what's happening in the UK and sort of the whole um, phenomenon of gamification, which really started, you know, I would argue around two years ago. And does this have implications in the long run? Does this have implications for companies that might even be your customers? Um, who may have apps or some other sort of trading front ends that possibly would need to be 
changed or, or modified or anything like that? Well, the, there are actually quite a few points to, to touch upon in, in here. Um, have you actually had a chance to, to look through the research on which they based their statement on the, the latter, right? I, I did not. I did not take a deep dive into it. Uh, but if you did, please please fill us in. Yeah, I was just curious to, to see. And I, I have always been a fan of, of academic research and, and uh, just the, the methodology behind it, right? And um, okay. interestingly enough, when I originally heard the statement, like read the statement, right, uh, I, I thought of maybe slightly different gamification elements right or like the way it was phrased in there it, it seemed like a witch hunt right or, or right we, we need to ban every, every everybody everything <laughs> that's sure that's 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 yeah. one of the legitimate <laughs> perceptions from market participants and yes, uh, yes. Uh, but once i started reading the research and what they're based on uh the the examples were actually quite alarming to me i would say so the the examples mm -hmm. of the apps they used uh they they mostly spoke about the notification, like celebratory achievements, right? And it's one thing to celebrate okay. an achievement, right? You made a great deal. Hooray. Well done. But the way it was phrased in the apps, it was like, yeah, you leveled up. You belong on the trading floor. So instead of just mm -hmm. celebrating the achievement, they gave maybe in some ways false affirmation or like, I which see. will boost up the confidence of a trader which, I, as you mentioned, I usually the younger audience, right? I think uh, the mm -hmm. the average uh, or like modal uh, age uh, in the uh, they used in the sample was was around twenty seven percent, and uh, in Robinhood the average age of their client is thirty one. So mm -hmm. the the guys younger than the age, basically millennials and Gen Z, are the ones that use it, mm -hmm. and they did actually show. Uh, in the way, uh, like in their research, that that this kind of confidence was already present in those generation, right? So people are already quite mm -hmm. confident in their, like they think that they know how to do, how to choose. And uh, there's another actually paper on self-directed investors. Also okay. quite an interesting read, I would say, for, <laughs> for the weekend to come. Uh, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, basically they were researching different Approaches to trading, like the the more concern like conservative approach, which usually was shown by the people who had education or had like graduate ed level education or like majors in finance, economics, business, those who already had some knowledge about the market, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. those were usually the more conservative ones. The and showed higher risk aversion whereas the newer ones who had no previous trading experience they did not receive the knowledge but they were quite confident and the gamification uh, which boosts this kind of confidence i actually find it concerning right when we speak about gamification okay. which um yeah i'll, I'll, I'll get uh, uh to to like basically gamification in my understanding right it's very powerful tool and it's a great tool when used properly. And one of the mm -hmm. ways uh, gamification shines is through education, right? That's why we see Duolingo apps or something like that, basically like <laughs> chasing you to, to carry on learning the new language. And gamification mm -hmm. elements in education, they work perfectly well. But when okay. we start to boost the confidence of the traders without actually educating them and that's one of the concerns and actually on the roadmap for the fca uh, for years to come uh, is increasing mm -hmm. that level of education among the traders among investors among new newcomers to the industry mm -hmm. so yeah basically how i view it uh when we use gamification in terms of educating clients how to use the platform edu like teaching them how to trade about different things and 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 everything it tends to to work out well but when we start to to go the you know the lousy route of <laughs> of trying to push them and say yeah you're doing great carry on when they're not right. doing great uh, i think there was actually one of the one of the notification they used in the in the example or in the research was uh, nerves of steel mm -hmm. stocks are going strong for the clients who were keeping <laughs> their position longer which Oh, so this is these are actual messages yes. sent so by it, like, the broker. You, you to will the have customer. like a, a GIF popping up on your phone, 
with uh-huh, like st- uh-huh, with the uh-huh. statement that like yeah you leveled up you're doing well and uh, uh-huh. it it does sound quite quite scary right <laughs> if we if we speak about this kind of research yeah i could see yes i could see how this could be misused and, 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 <laughs> and even in their case where they had the sample rate i think of 625 different traders of different groups different uh-huh. like proficiencies they found that the users that were influenced by gamified experience they would delay uh, and close their positions later than planned basically right. exiting uh-huh. their market and in, in, like increasing their risks ultimately and sure, this right, is where right, their right, concerns right. of fca come come from is in like decrease in risk aversion just because traders feeling overconfident in their mm-hmm. trading abilities and i i, I do find right, it yeah. quite alarming in this sense mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. i think the, the other part of your question was uh do you think it will affect our clients right uh we do have a product social trading right which sure. does revolve around clients being in a group or like seeing a leaderboard of different traders of different signal providers money managers how do mm-hmm. you call it uh doesn't matter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh this leaderboard is based on rank right and originally you would think that they're connected but um i think they actually used in in one of the examples is that part of the gamification or like they view it as part of gamification like the leaderboard like most traded stocks or like Mm-hmm. rising stocks mm-hmm. which were you like they have always been on the trading platforms it's nothing new and uh, i don't think yeah. it like it can influence a decision right you see that these are the the rising stocks and uh, i need to pick it up or like these are the falling ones i need to hoard on them and then they will rise someday mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's not as alarming as the examples they used in the research that's what i was trying to say mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you you bring up some very important points, and I would argue that um, you know when you, when you bring up the example of someone who had a successful trade and essentially got a message from their broker saying, you know, great job, uh, you know, you now qualify, or makes it sound like you know you could actually be um, a, an actual trader on the, on a trade desk or on the trading floor, right? Um, I think that I think you're right in the in that 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 does sound a bit alarming because if we look at regulations, if we just look at the markets in general, forex and CFD markets, I mean the the, the, the number one thing that everybody needs to be aware of if they're uh, trading on a demo account or on a live account, any any positive trading results that you may have does not mean that they are going to continue in the future. I think that's one of the 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 most critical. Uh, disclaimers that's required by regulators to be to be displayed on brokers websites globally right whether it's the UK or the United States or elsewhere so if you're telling someone that just had a successful trade no matter how big or small that trade was maybe they made only a few bucks but you're telling them hey you know you did a great job so um, you know now you know you might qualify for something or just to give you more self-confidence that self-confidence does not necessarily translate into more mm-hmm. profitable trades in the future and i think that's um that's 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 a pretty important point and if if you know if someone understands uh, the regulatory side of things or the compliance side of things in terms of what regulators constantly um demand that uh, brokers put on their websites in terms of disclosures disclaimers warnings um, to traders, it makes a whole lot of sense for uh, the FCA to come out and say, "Listen, you know, there's deep concerns with what you, uh, with what you guys are doing, and I, you know, um, there may be some calls to action in the future." I think the other side of this is, you know, I've seen uh, brokers, uh, especially on the marketing side, hire a lot of people from the gaming industry over the last uh, few years. Uh, I'm not going to name names or companies or people, um, you know, but that's something that um, anyone can go and, and, and look up in on, on our industry news sites in terms of, you know, new hires being brought into retail brokerages from firms that are in the sport betting space in the UK or uh, firms that were specifically focused on gaming um, and things like that. And so it, I would argue, perhaps it's a natural progression of things. Uh, folks from, 
these similar industries join ours, which is a specifically trading and a regulated industry with respect to what traders are doing and in terms of quote unquote making bets on where the price of uh, currencies or, or commodities or other products are going, um, it would be natural that um, those folks would uh, modify or alter the um, uh, the marketing message uh, or just the CRM message, quote unquote, just relationship management message with their customers to be more um, more like uh, what they had in you know in in these other in these other industries. No, I, so. I, I do agree, and uh, this is actually another part of the gamification aspect, right? Uh, I think mm -hmm. just because well, I mean, according to research, they are not trying to be very general. They are not try. They don't try to generalize. They try to be very specific in how they conduct those research and uh, how it all happens. And um, mm -hmm. gamification in general in trading sounds wrong if we apply it generally right but if we start to mm -hmm. like do like market segmentation right when we start to look at like customer persona and uh, different uh, types of traders which are actually in in, in that uh, other paper called self-directed investors uh, also on, on fca mm -hmm. uh, website you can you can find it and they actually uh, had like three different types of investors and the the latter was the gambler so basically, mm -hmm. uh, they do acknowledge it, and uh, in the like service, they, they did uh, like several interviews with different traders, and like we were asking them how did they feel about the gamified experience, how like what was their ideas of trading, what was their plans, whatever, and uh, that was actually something which was boosted up by COVID pandemic, when a lot of like sports was not existent, and then we saw that large audience which are used on betting, right? They mm -hmm. saw an outlet in CFDs and FX or like crypto or like or in trading, basically, uh, as as an mm -hmm. outlet for their, well, not addiction, but their hobby. I, I don't know how to call it, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, and, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 just, just. And yeah. since those are adults and they know what they're up to, and I, I do have a few friends from the industry who, who, who basically use the apps for that specific reason. They're like, yeah, mm -hmm. I can I can go to casino or, or I can go to 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 bet on the, on my favorite team or I can I can open up a trade. For for those people, these actions are the same. And if we try to regulate or restrict them from doing that, they will just find another outlet for that. But when mm -hmm. we utilize the same, and that's why I don't like I think that bringing up expertise from different industries is a good thing, just because those people know how to work with the with their audience right but when sure. we try to apply the same rules or the same strategies marketing uh, campaigns to the folks which were not coming for that and we start to like diverge their attention and like manipulate basically right in in, in a sense by mm -hmm. those features by those uh, towards those much riskier behavior i think that's 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 something quite wrong right and, yeah, it's a problem. and I just hope that uh, regulators uh, will be cautious enough not to affect the whole industry, right? And just be very restrictive, like uh, like Russian regulator being, right? Just banning the, the industry yeah. as a whole and sure. then trying to build it up from scraps. Uh, I just hope that mm -hmm. they will be more cautious in terms of what kind of restrictions they impose or like what kind of measures they go for. Uh, so, so basically, for, for for how I view gamification, uh, it would be as I mentioned, right? I I do believe, and I I'm strong fan of gamification in education. So I think uh, going for the route of uh, of a projects like FTM or like prop firms, uh, mm -hmm. their model, right? I I think you're familiar with it, where the traders come in, they start trading on the demo account, and they mm -hmm. need to show certain results during like the period of the of the i don't know yes, during the yes. period mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. be uh mm -hmm. like how to go like upgraded to to, yeah, quali to, to, to qualify to, to basically qualify for, for, for the yeah. next year uh -huh. which is actually part of gamification right if, if we just look at it you 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 do something and then you upgrade it to a different tier or you qualify but by doing so they actually allow traders to to trade and you can't get the consistent results without knowing how to do it right you, you can't be lucky sure. three months in a row 
I mean, maybe somebody, but yeah, it's it's quite unlikely. And uh, yeah, using gamification in this sense, or like allowing clients to, or like using gamification on demo accounts, right? Allowing them to to taste the the way to trade, to learn about the features of the app, uh, to learn about the trading in general. I think is a very interesting idea, and I, I would just like to see more brands pursuing that kind of thing where they use it in a safer way. Because uh, mm-hmm. like another example I was thinking of, uh, have you seen those quizzes or like questionnaires that you need to to do in order to get qualified to trade more complex instruments? Yes, I, 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 I mean, I've seen. I, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I, I, yeah, like the professional yeah, trader designation yeah, yeah. in some countries. That kind. I mean, of me stuff, having yeah. a business degree. I mean, they look like a joke to me. You wouldn't even get those questions <laughs> midterm. I mean, come on. You can get them. I can. I can answer in them in any language, even if I I don't know the language, just because I know the market, right? right. And uh, sure. those questionnaires or surveys or quizzes, they don't seem to me enough. They seem to be just like a write-off to to say that, yeah, we're doing this to, like, our KYC is strong and we're checking out the, the clients. And mm-hmm. I think, again, it's a double-edged sword, right? You you do make the process, like, onboarding process more complex. Uh, nobody wants to do it because the clients or investors are already quite expensive to get by, right? The amount of marketing yeah, yeah, budget yeah. you spend. Acquisition yeah. costs, yeah. Uh, it, it might be a double-edged sword, but at the end, this will feed the vision of the market the regulators have, right? A safe environment where mm-hmm. the new traders are not pushed towards the complex high-risk instruments leveraged accounts straight away. They need to go through mm-hmm. some sort of education and then carry on. So I think mm-hmm. the projects like that, are, well, I, I'll be happy to hear about the projects like that. And actually, one mm-hmm. of the one mm-hmm. of the projects was uh, recently the, the Danish uh, female trading group or something like they have over 140,000 clients and they started as a like educational project for like female in in the trading in the investment and uh, uh-huh. recently the news came that they acquired a trading platform to basically to act as a sort of trading venue for the group they already educated for yeah. them so uh-huh. i mean uh-huh. hearing about the project like that is is quite curious to me and let's hope that gamification stays but evolves to be safer or like mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. those who want trading to be a game they will always have this kind of attitude no matter what you do right and sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. those who didn't want necessarily to be affected by it they should not be necessarily affected by that if we speak mm-hmm. ethically about that <laughs> no no yeah i completely agree with you and you bring up a very interesting idea um Demo accounts have been around for ever since live accounts have been around. And uh, most large brokers that we know, global brokers, they obviously have an education section on their website. Um, some of them offer all of their educational resources for free. Some of them give them to you for free when you open a live account. And that's sometimes a sales gimmick, uh, which, which mm-hmm. we are, which, you know, if we're on the marketing side, let's be honest, we all know. Um, but I think that's a very interesting idea. I, I feel like, you know, if brokers don't do their part, like you said, to um, to to um, control gamification and kind of rein it in, then ultimately the regulator will be forced to put in some sort of restrictions or uh, new requirements where either brokers can't say certain things or again, they might actually be paralyzed in the sense that they won't be able to offer them any uh, cool or engaging educational stuff going forward because the regulator might say, well, now you can't do, uh, now you can't do uh, any of it. At the same time, what's stopping a regulator from telling brokers that any customer that you onboard to a live account and, and let them invest real money and trade uh, whether it's a leveraged account or one-to-one or two-to-one or whatever, what's stopping regulators from from enforcing a policy that all live traders first need to uh, conduct a certain amount of trades on a demo account? And for example, they have to try uh, to use orders. So, uh, you know, uh, like stop loss orders or take profit orders, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know what I mean? In order to make it mandatory for any new trader to go through this process so they 
they're sort of forced to educate themselves. You know what I mean? In terms of in terms of the risks of the market and kind of what they're going to be doing on their on their live account. I think it's an interesting. I, I, I'm I'm sure that's not exactly what you meant, but this is an idea no, that no. developed in my head as you were talking. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, forcing 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 new traders to go to a demo account, but not just go to a demo account. They have to complete mm. some sort of actions on that demo account in order to quote unquote graduate from an educational uh, program within a brokerage to then be allowed to open. I actually think there are there are policies or like measures like that in, I believe, in Singapore, maybe they they have uh, like mandatory stop loss. And then I do know that uh, Mm -hmm. French regulator AMF, they they also have the requirement that uh, stop loss is mandatory. It has to be put before the trade is open and like you actually you actually okay. have to do that and uh mm-hmm. the amount you can lose on on the trade should not be more i think like there's some finicky calculation in terms of how much you ha- can lose and it should be equal to the amount of stop loss so a, a trader before placing an order they basically specify mm-hmm. that okay i i know that i will lose not more than 100 than yeah, yeah, or uh-huh. something like that i see and it, that's it actually to me. a measure mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in France and I, I believe in Singapore as well. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense because Singapore and uh, France, if you compare those jurisdictions to other countries and regions, they are what we would call heavily mm-hmm. regulated. There's a lot of regulation on the books. There's a lot of requirements for brokers uh, in terms of business operations and all the things that they have to manage and um and things like that. So, um, well, let's see what happens in the future. Um, you know, maybe brokers, as they say in English, have been put on notice. Uh, so let's see, let's see what happens next year, and maybe uh, in the future, in terms of what uh, what changes this might bring. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, might bring. If it doesn't, uh, we'll see. You know, kind of, we'll see what happens. Um, Anton, uh, we don't have much time left. I wanted to actually touch upon some personal questions for a bit, if you don't sure. mind. Um, just looking at your LinkedIn profile, I see that you have a very interesting background in terms of your education and experience prior to joining Brokery. Um, can you tell us kind of if your foray into, you know, the fintech space in, in FX and, and markets uh, happened by chance or was it like a culmination of things uh, in your education, in your life, in your career earlier, you know, um, that kind of all, everything came together and that's how you joined joined the industry. Can you talk a little bit more about yeah, that? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I, I think the, the, the most interesting part of my, my previous education, right, is, is a technician in oil refinery or something, something like that. Uh, yes, that's one of the things I saw. And I'm like, listen, I have uh, my guests, my guests are always from very diverse backgrounds. And you'd be surprised in terms of, you know, who, what kind of experiences or, 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 or um, education or just where people grew up, how it had an impact, uh, ultimately on a person you know, coming into our industry. Yeah, sure, sure. No, I mean, the, the that part of education, like college college degree, whatever it's called in yeah, English. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was something that you can go there and then decide what, what you do next. But I, I did enjoy the studies, right? We had quite a lot of chemistry, different different types of chemistries, like working with the, with the plant and just getting to know the industry. But... Uh, I actually always knew that uh, I will end up in the business. So I like from from the mm-hmm. very. I mean, in my family, I, I, I like it's quite difficult to find a person who was not an entrepreneur at some point. Mm-hmm. Basically, my every relative of mine had some sort of business or have a business still, and uh, mm-hmm. I always knew that I will be in 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 commerce, like in in, in business side of of things. Um, in terms of finance, uh, there was a point in my life where I was interested. I think I was like 14, 15 or something when I was interested in, in trading, in investing. I was just reading up a lot of stuff and uh, actually like trying like to learn technical analysis and, and trade up. Uh, but I knew that, no, I'm, I'm, not, that, I'm not that proficient in, in mathematics to, to, to go for financial route and like for analysis and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I stayed in the marketing, and uh, I consider myself to be business student like mentality. I'm always curious about 
business processes, no matter what they are, just how the businesses uh-huh. work. So I, I knew that I'll, I'll be in B2B marketing uh, in any industry always. And it just happened to mm-hmm. be brokery, which is a technology provider in B2B space and finance, which all came together quite nicely. And all my previous hobbies or my current hobbies, they just blended in and allowed, uh, yeah, allowed to be here. Have you ever traded yourself before joining brokery in terms of like, did you ever have a demo account? Uh, or de- demo for sure. And it was traded? actually one, demo, one of yeah. the mm-hmm. f- funniest things. When I had a demo account, I had a demo account with it with a, like a, a broker, right? And when I joined Brokery, sure. I learned that the, the broker was a client of Brokery. So I I, I, uh-huh. I got a, like uh, a way to actually work with the brokerage or like the founders of the brokerage who brought me to the industry uh-huh. or, or like... Sure, sure. So it was quite, quite I, I'm, interesting, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing you probably had things to say like, hey, well, you know, from a user user <laughs> usability <laughs> perspective... Because I've used your system. No, no, um, I actually, yeah, I actually, you know, like, used, I, no. <laughs> I, I, I found the old, like, demo uh, account reports and I shared it with them just, like, for a funny giggle. Oh, yeah. just to show them that, <laughs> that, 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 that you participated or traded yeah. with them. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, um, and the last question I have is, I, I know that now you live in Finland and I wanted to ask you what life there is like, uh, particularly in terms of, like, let's say, culture and weather. I mean, you know, just stereotypically, I, I would think that it gets very, very cold there during the winter. But then I would also think that like saunas and uh, the culture of uh, going to a sauna when it's cold in the winter is something that's uh, might be a popular activity there. I could be wrong. I'm, you know, these are all just stereotypes from from me being an American. Well, it's, it... <laughs> but I wanted to see kind of, yeah, kind of what's the experience living there? Well, I do enjoy it. I, I always enjoy it, colder climates and uh uh, yeah, it does get cold. But where, it, like, I mean, in in, in 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 parts of Russia, it also does get cold, and and uh, it gets cold yeah, here I mean, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, what can you do? But I always enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. actually, like, still to this day, every every time I see the first snow cover the the floor, I'm I'm so excited. Like, I'm I'm popped up. Yeah, like the the, the day is gonna be great because just because the the snow landed on the on the grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of saunas, it's, it's quite difficult to to dis- dispute or like debate any stereotypes because they are in in every building. And oh, really? if if uh-huh. the sauna is not in the building, most likely every f- apartment will have it. I, I mean, I live in the apartment; we have sauna in the apartment, so uh-huh. we have personal sauna. Right? Wow. When I was studying sure. in in Lapland, uh, there were sauna for the building. Right? You 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 live in like sort of a dormitory, which is more like apartments mm-hmm. where like multiple people live in, in their own rooms but you will have sauna mm-hmm. in, in there and if there are no sauna mm-hmm. in the building or in the apartment uh, you will have like a public sauna nearby we have one by the lake so mm-hmm. interesting and is it something that you that that you use that you got used to kind of i mean what's the what's the typical uh, sort of way that you would go about using a sauna are you using it daily do no you, 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 usually um, usually people will go on saturdays for for the sauna if if it's like mm-hmm. as a family occasion right that's oh, that's I the see. day where uh-huh. you go to but uh, public saunas there are saunas in in like swimming pools where like all the all the grumpy grandpas are like pouring water and it, it gets insanely hot you like you walk in your, your skin oh, starts falling it, 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 it's scorchingly hot but uh uh-huh. it, it is a popular activity i i would say uh-huh. for older generation maybe a bit more popular than for younger mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah people still use it i i do like it i do enjoy it just because it's a yeah, it's yeah. a way for you to like like meditation part of it right you you, you, sure. you just sit there you sure, yeah, yeah. you have nothing to do right you just you, <laughs> you relax you what about what about in the warmer months or in the summer? Um, obviously, winter time, yes. Uh, what are, what are things like in the summer? What do people in Finland do usually in terms of like outdoor activities, hobbies? Um, I mean, no, f- f- hiking, biking, yeah, f- 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 Finnish citizens, and I would say the whole Scandinavia, like Fennoscandia region, like Finland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Iceland. Uh, they are mm-hmm. people here are always used to be outdoors. And it's it's mm-hmm. quite rare. Like basically, what day is it? Thursday today, right? Uh, so basically, on Friday yeah. after work, you won't see any like cars on the parking, just because everybody p- packs things up and they go 
go somewhere to the countryside and uh, and relax in the nature. Ah, so okay. this is the, the mm-hmm. common way to relax, and that's what they do. They do, and um, that's why mm-hmm. I, uh, that's one of the parts which I enjoy about living in Finland. Right, uh, I live in the mm-hmm. city or like a small town, but uh, I literally have lake like ten meters away from me. So. Okay. So you don't have to go far at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, for... you, you just mm-hmm. open up a window and you see nature. You see bunnies hopping mm-hmm. around. You see, I don't know, fox, foxes uh-huh. running uh-huh. around. You see birds. You sure. are in the nature. And this is very, mm-hmm. uh, very, very nice thing to have when you work in like finance and, and stuff where people expect uh, skyscrapers like Dubai, all, all the luxury and, and, <laughs> and stuff which comes with successful investments. But yeah, I, I do enjoy the... Being close to nature and being being able just to to walk out the the door and, and uh-huh. be in the nature. That's very cool. Awesome. Uh, well, Anton, thanks for taking the time to to speak with us today. It was definitely a very insightful and um, interesting discussion on gamification and and meta quotes and meta trader. Um, listen, we wish you the best of luck going into the holidays. The year is almost over, and also in. Uh, early 2023, IFX Expo coming up and things like that. Um, and hopefully we can do this again sometime soon, catch up on more uh, interesting topics in our industry. Thanks a lot for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to our latest Finance Feeds podcast episode. For sponsorship opportunities or to become a guest, please email us at info at